welcome to the Amateur Podcast. My name is Ryan O'Connor, and today I'm talking to Mark P. Ryall. Mark is a former high school math and economics teacher, husband of Lynn Ryall, who joined the podcast for our painting episode. Mark recently published his first novel, Age Decoded, a sci-fi novel about the discovery of a technology that prevents humans from aging. And so today he's going to talk to us about writing and publishing a novel. So Mark, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Ryan. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. Uh, so first of all, tell us about your latest book, Age Decoded. Sure. It's a uh, science fiction, as you mentioned. Uh, it's a type of science fiction called speculative fiction, where what I'm really trying to do is speculate the uh, the actual future that I, I would predict. And it, and it starts around uh, 30 years from now and goes to 230 years from now. Um, the basic plot of the book is uh, that uh, the, they have found a genetic engineering method to stop uh, human aging. And uh, in fact, even later on, they discover a method to reverse human aging. So, uh, you know, what would the effects be on society, on, on people, on people's psychology, on humanity? What are all the effects on humanity? So that's the book, uh, Age Decoded. Well, I can say personally, I've 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 started reading the book. I'm about a hundred or so pages in, and it's really compelling. I'm I'm really into the story and the characters. So uh, you've done a great job with that book. I'm I'm really into it, and I can't wait to finish and find out how it ends. Uh, I I was okay, great. curious to know where the idea came from about this genetic engineering process that that rever or stops and reverses aging. Where did that come from? Yeah. So as Ryan, as with a lot of things in life, especially my life, it's sort of uh, almost happenstance. So uh, I got into triathloning. I'm a competitive um, athlete in mm -hmm. triathlon, and um, I, I don't compete against the pros. Obviously, I'm, uh, I'm uh, much older than the guys in the 20s. Um, so I'm in the 60 to 65 year old age group. And uh, anyway, talking with those competitors, we're sort of friendly. We teach, we get to know each other. Um, uh, I realized uh, that they, like me, were all concerned about, uh, even though we're training hard, we're slowly getting uh, slower, <laughs> uh, <laughs> gradually slowing down year by year, um, despite all of our uh, efforts and training. So, and that's that's what aging is. It's a slow decline. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I started doing a bit of reading about that into the science and whatnot, and uh, became sort of fascinated with some of the things that scientists are trying to do to uh, to stop, and some are even predicting that they can reverse um, this natural thing called aging. Wow, uh, I haven't looked into too much of the science, but uh, that's fascinating and also terrifying at the same time. Which I think you do a great <laughs> job of exploring in your yeah. book is a lot of the the sort of effects of uh, what might happen if if this does uh come through so uh yeah that's really fascinating um how, when did you get into writing when did you start writing fiction uh well just with this book now i did do some dabbling with short stories uh, i didn't try publishing it but i did write several short stories and i wrote some poetry um here and there uh, when i was in my 20s and 30s especially mm -hmm. uh, um and uh, I guess probably only my wife has seen some of those poems. She even claims to like a few. So uh, some of them are romantic, and some are philosophical. Um, 
but didn't really take a serious shot at writing till uh, I guess a few years ago where I started putting together this book. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And what made you decide to start putting together this book? Was it the the conversation that you had with your triathlete friends pretty much and just yeah that was the starting point and uh, i actually did some research probably eight or nine years ago uh and began writing i reached out to some publishers uh several years ago but i didn't have much success it's very competitive writing mm -hmm. tell your listeners that we can talk about self-publishing yeah. later on but yeah, uh, definitely. it's very competitive if you want to go try to lock in with one of the big yeah. new york or toronto publishers it's it's tough so mm -hmm. especially if you're a first-time author uh or you're not a famous person which i'm not so um i you know six or seven years ago i started poking around trying to publish it and then i just left it for a while mm -hmm. which is sometimes a really good thing to do yeah. to ruminate relax ruminate mm -hmm. relax you know yeah and um and then um when covid hit about two years ago i had just retired from teaching mm -hmm. and uh i had time on my hands and uh inside stuck inside the house basically i thought you know what this is a good time to um mm -hmm. you know take dust off this old script or or, or draft and mm -hmm. uh, update it and then take a serious look at self-publishing because self-publishing is really um sort of risen as a viable option in the states mm -hmm. yeah uh, we'll, we'll talk definitely talk about the uh publishing side of things a, a little bit later on because i'm really curious about that um i just wanted to pick up on something you mentioned about i like that phrase you used i think it was ruminate and relax and did you find yeah. that um that allowed you to um did that um bring about any changes to the novel or or any new energy or anything like that absolutely so i it brought a lot of new energy and <clears throat> knowing that i was going to put it out there whether it's publisher or self-publish knowing it was going to go out there I, I seriously sought the assistance from a few other readers so my wife mm -hmm. definitely had read they had read over um, a couple of drafts that was helpful and even my daughter helped out but i had a uh, a science fiction buff uh, sort of professional editor hmm. who I paid, uh, I paid mm -hmm. to, uh, to look over the, uh, the novel and mm -hmm. provide feedback. So that feedback was invaluable. Mm -hmm. He, uh, you know, I didn't agree with a hundred percent of it, but probably 80, 90% of it. I did mm -hmm. implement little things like, you know, why don't you, instead of having a linear plot, why don't you have some flashback mm -hmm. chapters? It was a lot of strategic stuff. It wasn't like, oh, well, this sentence yeah. grammatically. It was more like this character should be stronger. Uh -huh. Why are you doing this? Uh, shouldn't there be more of a battle over here? Where's the tension with this uh, part of the plot? Uh, a lot of stuff like that. And it was very, it was real eye opener. So yeah. that was very helpful. And then I had another editor, a friend, uh, an artist who um, read it through a couple times and he provided more of the character advice a lot about the characters the way they're talking the way their their language yeah. uh, the way they interact and that was very helpful too so between those two and my own my energy knowing that i was going to publish this yeah. and my wife and my daughter helping you got four or five people helping out um trying to refashion it and then rework it and improve it throw stuff out if you have to um it all started coming together. It was, uh, it was ready and 
this March. Wow, cool. Um, so you found that that those outside eyes really helped kind of bring a new uh, perspective on on what you were working on. And it sounds like, uh, as you said, it was more big picture stuff, the characters, the the plot, uh, rather than just like sentence by sentence, uh, detailed stuff. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, yes. did, did you find it difficult to accept feedback that maybe you didn't agree with? I find that's that may be something a lot of people might have difficulty with is um, hearing some maybe criticism or um, or or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was difficult um, at times. So I, as I said, I didn't necessarily agree with everything, yeah. and uh, I didn't change everything. Uh, but uh, there is, it was definitely a, yeah. uh, an eye opener. Though I could, I yeah. could sense that yes, I had to change. This had to change, and this could be better. Yeah. And thank you for the feedback. Um, but it's tough. I mean, it's yeah. it is criticism. Yeah, yeah you got to be ready for some darts to be thrown in your direction, and right. uh, that's okay. That those darts are good. That's what you need. You need that 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 uh, that's attention too, right? In yeah. the writing, you yeah. need that writing tension. It's not all relaxing. It's yeah. not all secure. It's uh, in fact, the whole writing process is insecure. You're you're putting stuff out there yeah. that's going to be in an ebook or now a print book. Um, it's going to be out there even after you're probably not alive anymore, unless yeah. of course you get the technology I'm talking about in this book, and then we're all going to live forever. But uh, uh, it, the book will live on. Books are immortal, right? Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah. So the the, the process was, was amazing. I yep. really loved it, but it was it was messy. And mm-hmm. The 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 feedback is absolutely essential. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I definitely hear hear what you're saying. You have to be open to the feedback um, and you really have to put yourself out there and be willing to accept some criticism. And and uh, that's how that's how you get better. Right. Is 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 uh, through feedback or one of the ways we get better. Um, where did you get um, your writing influences? So beyond the I guess the sci fi aspect of it, the, the science, the technology stuff, where where does most of your writing influence come from? Right. So my background is more math and economics. So um, English was probably my worst subject in high school. I did read the books uh, assigned through high school, uh, but because they were assigned, it wasn't really a fulfilling experience sometimes. I I, I know that some of your listeners may be able to relate to that. I I can relate to that too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so once you pick a book yourself or you're interested in mm-hmm. yourself or maybe because a good friend recommends it or whatever, that's that's different and can provide a much more fulfilling uh, adventure for you. So uh, I did do a lot of reading, I'd say more in my 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we get busy in life, so with teaching, it, it, it does take a lot of energy out of you. So I, I wasn't, I didn't tend to go home and then start reading because I, I was reading stuff yeah. all day and talk, yeah. talking. So, um, but the my reading was varied. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I did read some sci-fi. I, I, I wouldn't say I was a sci-fi buff, you know, mm-hmm. to that extent. But I read some wonderful sci-fi. Um, for example, I thought um, Michael Crichton's uh, Jurassic Park was a. I don't know if you've read the book. The the movie's you know entertaining and whatnot. Yeah. The actual book is oh, quite really? good. Yeah, quite well put together and. Um, I really uh, I enjoyed Franz Kafka, and I know that's not necessarily sci-fi, 
apply, but it's very deep thinking, yeah. psychological, yeah. almost philosophical. Type. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoy uh, George Luis Borges mm -hmm. from uh, yeah. South America. Yeah. I love his complex interweaving, uh, very uh, polysyllabic, but but uh, logical um, writing. And uh, I certainly uh, enjoyed um, some short stories. For example, uh, James, uh, Ray Bradbury's yeah. uh, The Rocket was a beautiful short story. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin wrote a short story called The Ones Who Walk Away from Amelis. That really stuck with me. That's a society story. Yeah. Uh, science fiction again. And uh, so there are um, a lot of influences there, uh, but... Um, I guess uh, overall, just reading general things helped too, um, and you know it, that sort of formed my background. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, I'm a big fan of Borges. I, I love his uh, short stories. They're they're just so interesting. Awesome. And yeah, um, but yeah, I'll have to read Jurassic Park. I only know it through the movie. <laughs> like a lot of people, I'm sure. You know, once we read the movie, we're like, uh, I don't really have to read the. the I don't really have to yeah, read yeah. the book, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so tell, tell me how you developed your writing process and how that evolved, because that's, uh, something that's important for, for producing a full length novel, right? It's a lot of work and a, and a lot of yeah. just, it's a slog, right? Um, so tell me about how you developed that. Sure. Well, I have a mind map of all of my characters. I can't show it here because it's not visual, right? But that mind map has all of the arrows and interrelationships between the characters because I started, I did not start with that mind map. I probably should have, but being my first novel, I just sort of started right into chapter six, which turns out to be chapter six. Now I thought that was would be chapter one. So I, I was not that organized to start out, but then about halfway through, I just stopped and said, Oh my God, I'm getting mixed up myself. Who's who, who did what, who, where, where, where are we? Who knows who's that's my their grandmother would so i actually had to write out this massive my map just to uh see all the interconnections that i had created and uh i think there was even an error in there so uh i would recommend that people start with a, a larger my map of characters and okay. the relationships between those yeah. characters so um, i i took me a little while to figure out that i needed that so <laughs> but uh but um so that's one thing that really helped and um, other than that, it's the for me since it was a science-based book, the, the research was really important. Yeah, so yeah. I read a lot about ten years ago. Then I read a lot about two years ago. Mm -hmm. A lot of the a lot of science now is published. Uh, you don't have to go into Robart's library in Toronto yeah, and yeah. through all the stacks. It's yeah. online, so yeah. at least the abstracts and some some of the full studies, a lot of the full studies. So um, in the magazine, mm -hmm. science magazine, SciMed magazine, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that research was really important because I'm I'm reading stuff that's even now after writing my novel, I'm reading about things that are oh that's 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 crazy that that relates to this and mm -hmm. oh, well, my god that 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 might that happened in my book in 40 years from now that actually wow. happened so it's happening faster than i thought so um the research was really important too just to feed your mind with new material and with new ideas and what's mm -hmm. happening and what could happen so um, between the mind map of the, the characters and then the research of what could happen feeding the plot um i just was able to craft 
the novel. How about uh, your sort of day-to-day writing process? Do you write every day or do you write uh, like a bit in big chunks or big spurts or do you spread it out? How, how do you divvy up your writing time? So it's definitely in spurts. I'm mm-hmm. not that organized where like say I'll get to write six hours a day yeah. in, in these time slots. No. Um, so I might go a couple of days with nothing and then go like 10 hours straight uh, yeah. right through the evening and into the early morning yeah. uh, although i find the ones that go really late you, you wake up late the next day and you look at it and say, oh my god that's bad <laughs> so uh you have to be careful make sure. yeah. but uh still it's inspiring to, to do stuff like yeah. that sometimes yeah. too so i'm not that regimented yep. um you just go with it and you might have a bit of writer's block here and there it's just, okay that's fine just leave it go do something different and uh, just go with the flow when you got the energy uh, really, when, you know, make, make hay when the sun is shining, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you mentioned writer's block. That's something every writer has to, has to deal with, right? It, have you encountered this a lot? And what are your strategies for overcoming writer's block? Yeah, so just little bits, but nothing. I haven't had that, that uh, you know, gargantuan uh, behemoth writer's block that... Uh, that hits you for like a month or two. Yeah. So that would be horrible, right? Yeah. No, I've had it maybe for like half a day or a day, okay. a couple yeah. of days. That's it. So I don't even know if that qualifies. Um, yeah. me, I guess. Do you? What do you? Do you have uh, a strategy? Do you go for a walk, or is there anything you do to sort of move past it? Sure. Or, yeah. yeah. Do something different. Yeah. I would recommend something completely different. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, some exercise or uh, go, go, go and get something to eat somewhere or have some fun doing something else. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I'm up. curious. Do you find, do you find the ideas come to you in like random places? Like a lot of, there's the cliche of the shower ideas, right? Do you have, do, have random ideas for your novel or your other stories come to you as, as you're doing completely yes. different things? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so actually that's a good point, Ryan, because I am now, I now carry a notebook around because yep. you never know okay. when these things yeah. come at yeah. you and you just write them down. Yeah. Could even be the middle of the night you dream and you wake yeah. up and okay, jot that down. That was cool. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, you never know yeah. because the, I think that really is your subconscious yeah. uh doing its work, doing its hard work and, and um you never know when your subconscious is gonna something's gonna percolate up from it, right? So yeah. Yeah, definitely. So carrying around a notebook works, uh, a notebook and a pen or a pencil works for you, I guess, for for some people, maybe they, they can just use your their phones or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great advice. Um, what about uh, writing sci fi? Because that's a very particular genre, right? And you mentioned speculative sci fi, which is more, I guess, um, I, don't, I don't want to use the word realistic, but it's more based on our present moment right rather than projecting thousands of years into the future with space travel and 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 everything that's right yeah Um, yeah it should be yep yeah uh do you have any what what sort of advice do you have for listeners who may be interested in writing sci-fi fiction yeah so there's so many aspects to it so if you're like me you're more into the hard science and whatnot then you could try speculative fiction uh, and just go out a few years, 10, 20, 30, yeah. 40 years, and, uh, and and take it from there. I mean, I think George Orwell wrote 1984 when he was when, in 1949. So he, and I think he lived 
Do you know when he lived though? I think he lived no. past 1984. Yeah. I have to check that one. But anyway, that's not a long, that's not too long a time period, right? Yeah. So um, that's a pretty good example. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you're another person, you have a, 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 an amazing imagination and you're into aliens and UFOs and all that, then, yeah. well, that can lead a whole other <laughs> direction, right? And uh, the, uh, I think certain people are, would be really good at that, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for, do you have any general advice for anyone who wants to start writing fiction? It's maybe something that they've thought about doing in the past, but just haven't really done, gotten into it. Do you have any advice for anyone that wants to get started, uh, writing a, a work of fiction? Well, for one thing, it's not, it's never too late. Yep. As I said, I'm, I'm now 62. So I wrote this, uh, you know, later in my life. Yeah. So it's not too late. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of authors have uh, have written later on. So if if you're a listener and you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, oh my God, I haven't written a book. I never can. No, no, you can, you may, and you probably will if you just give it a shot. Yeah. Um, Frank McCourt wrote his book, uh, Angela's Ashes. Yeah. Also a former teacher, right? He was in his 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. former teacher. I yeah. think he was 67 or something. Yeah. That was a great book. Yeah. So it's never too late. That's one. That's my number one thing. Don't pigeonhole yourself. Don't think you can't do that. Even if you've never done it, yeah. uh, you can do it. And it's never too late. And the second thing is, um, I would say, is uh, this thing I said about security again. Don't think it's going to be a secure process. No, you're going to right. feel on edge, a little uneasy. You're yep. going to wonder about things. You're going to have some doubts. Yep. Um, I, I like. I have quoted this before on another podcast, and I will hear. Uh, there's a wonderful statement by Helen Keller, and she said that um, security is is mainly a superstition. Hmm. I just love that. Like, think of the life she had to, yeah. to overcome, oh, overcome some of her things. Yeah. Security is mainly a superstition. In other yeah. words, wow. you're, you're going to have yeah. security, so you yeah. might as well just go with it. Yeah. So those are my two pieces of advice for potential writers. That's great advice. Um, you mentioned the that you started with, or you 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 discovered from the process that that it would have been a smart idea to st to start with a character map. Is there any other prep work that you recommend new authors put into the story, the character development before they actually start writing out the the, the actual book? Sure. So you could do the same with plot. Yeah. So you might have yeah. a, a mind map and say, okay, this is where it's going to start, and it's going to go this way. And then you can build in all your flashbacks, yeah. and reversals right. with that plot. So, I mean, I was focusing on character with that mind map, yeah. but you could focus on plot with it and just add the characters, the doers later. Um, I don't know about focusing on setting. Yeah. Like in my novel, setting was pretty important because it's futuristic, right? Yep. So I chose yep. New, York, New York and New Orleans as my two main settings. Yeah. But um, in, um, I, I think it might be harder to build your novel just around setting. Although yeah. Probably a few novels have done that. Yeah. good job with it but um so yeah in terms of uh, the other thing that's really important is just do some reading do as yeah. much reading as you can yeah. without going crazy you don't have to sign up for an english course and um join a book club 
Yep. Uh, talk to friends. Yep. Go to the internet. Do research. Read the stuff you're interested in. The more reading you can do, that yeah. will help. That's that's ground preparation. Right. Uh, I, in fact, I had to go back to books when I was writing yeah. this novel. I was so inexperienced that I would I had to go back to books. Like I went to a couple of Isaac Asimov books and I checked yeah. the the punctuation. Like how how does he do? Is does the is the parenthesis there? Sorry, is the uh, quotation mark here or there? Is the period go there? Is there a comma here? I actually had to go back and, and by the way, I found a couple of errors in his books. They're not perfect. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> <Yeah>. perfect, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, like just the basic structure, yeah. uh, you might have to go back and do some reading too, just to yeah. double check everything. I Grammarly, grammarly in these yeah. online editors, they're okay, but they don't pick up everything. I've discovered that too. Yeah, so they don't, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't get the Grammarly premium. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> I find but, myself uh, disagreeing with Grammarly sometimes too. Uh, right, uh, right, right. But <laughs> yeah. So lots of reading is yeah. good. And okay. then you can, then it gives you great influence and uh, good ideas. And uh, right yeah. from grammar to plot to character, you'll get that from pretty good authors. Yeah. Um, you mentioned setting a little while ago. Um, I'm curious why you chose New York and New Orleans. Um, is there any particular reason for that in, in your book or? Yeah, I saw, I, well, I sort of know both places. I've been to both yeah. and I got engaged in New Orleans. That's, that's a nice place to get. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so very Mardi Gras, very romantic place yeah. to get, you know, <laughs> uh, engaged. But, uh, so I sort of knew them. Uh, I wanted something a little, uh, bigger than say you know canada or whatever yep. so i went for new york uh, sorry american locations mm-hmm. uh new york has that aspect of the united nations yep. in my novel yep. there is a united government that you know probably zone one authority so i thought okay that's probably where they would locate it if anywhere and uh, yeah. um, um other than that i suppose i could have picked other large uh areas uh places in Europe or uh-huh. perhaps they could have picked a place in China too, because yeah. China was part of this uh, cooperative government too. Yeah. Right? So, um, so no, there's actually no compelling reason for yeah. those specific cities, but uh, um, it was fun trying to, trying to visualize <laughs> the future on those places. Like uh, for example, I, I don't know if you fit the part where the New York, I don't know if you're quite there yet where the New York subway is mentioned. Not there yet. 20, no. no. And it's 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 out there like a hundred years from now. So. Yeah, but there's still a subway. I I wasn't sure whether I should clear it. Probably still going to be yeah. there, so I left it in there. Yeah. But then there's a lot of other new weird yeah. buildings and structures in New York that, like the the nuclear fusion uh, museum, um, is there two hundred years from now because they do use nuclear fusion, right? So, yeah. um, um, stuff like that is fun to bring in. That that sounds like a fun aspect of. Uh of writing speculative um, science fiction is imagining what everything looks like in, into the future. Um, one aspect of your novel that I found really interesting that I that I didn't quite consider before I started reading it was the timelines are kind of extended in the world that you create because with this um, with the new technology, the new the, the new science that enables people to stop aging, that obviously extends everyone's lifespan by hundreds of years so did you find that uh difficult to imagine or was that how did you work that out in your brain because that's something that i i never wrapped my head around until i started reading it yeah that's that's sort of the the psychology part yeah. of it. so well in the novel i bring in the 
concept of immortality, NUE, where people just, after living on for another 102 years, just get tired. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not within them. Um, And there is that. There is that question: How would it affect humanity, or humans, our our psychology? Because remember, with genetic engineering, you're literally changing humans. They're, yep. they're not the same. Their, their code has been altered. So it's not like nurturing a human; it's literally changing human nature. So, with this technology, that's one of the questions: How would it affect the people um, fundamentally? Um, so, for example, would I have written this novel? Um, would I have had the urgency to in my early 60s to finally get this out there yeah. if i knew i had a couple thousand years to sit on and think about it yeah. whatever so, yeah. uh, so probably not actually i probably yeah. would not have so yeah. i'm getting older and i could the clock's a tick and i want to do some things right and this is one thing that i'm really happy that i i tried and uh yeah there's an urgency when uh it's like in econ i can use the economic yep. concept though. yeah when something is abundant yeah like abundance uh, just plentiful and um, it, you know there's infinite supply of it it, it almost has zero prices yeah i wouldn't say necessarily zero value but it's almost valueless compared to something that's precious that is finite and then that's what people start selling it right yeah you put a price on it you know, only certain people can afford it and all that so um so if time is abundant what um what is the effect on humans and if you don't mind um i could read one quote of it find it yeah one of my characters on that very point okay so uh ryan this character you probably met him his name's uh jesus yep um ironically he's a buddhist (laughs) yeah i remember (laughs) that 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 explanation i I liked i liked your your explanation for why his name's jesus but he's a buddhist and um we'll we'll leave that open for for listeners to that's that's a if you want to find out why he's he's a buddhist named jesus you got to read the book yeah and and and, you know he the, the important thing is he's a deep thinker and he um he he's fairly old so he locks into this age decoding which means mm-hmm. he's not going to get any older but he's not going to get any younger so he's sort of stuck on the precipice of looking at the looking at death yeah. uh, facing death but not quite there and he he doesn't much like it after a while and, uh, he's got a granddaughter zymana mm-hmm. who's locked in at 25 like a lot of other people are yeah. and so zymana says why don't you why don't you just hang in there until they reverse aging event you can you know, become younger. And he said, yeah, then in 50 years after the event that I'll, uh, I'll be the same age as you, which yeah. is sort of bizarre. Cause then you lose that intergenerational yeah, yeah. effect. Yeah. There's no grandfather, grandmother, yeah. granddaughter anymore. Everybody's just the same yeah. age. Right. So, uh, but he says here, talking about time and the, the value yeah. of time, he says, um, uh, Oh yeah, I found, okay. Humans with so much time <clears throat> naturally avail themselves of it inefficiently. Anonymous once said, the thief to be wary of is the one who steals your time. Uh, and now uh, uh, Jesus says, but with age decoded, I believe it's the opposite. I think the thief to be wary of is the one who lends you too much time because they steal your humanity. Wow. Very powerful uh, quote. And uh, I don't think I've gotten to that point in the book yet, but um one of the things that that I, I I noticed about your book is is these characters are very compelling. They have 
really rich backstories, uh, unique personalities. They're, they're, they're individuals. And that's one of the, the things that I think really draws people to reading novels and just stories in general is, is characters that we can relate to and that, and that, uh, almost seem like real people. So how did you develop your characters or what's your strategy for making your characters compelling and relatable to your audience? Yeah. Well, thanks for that compliment on the characters. And um, it, it was fun trying to fashion each character. Um, <clears throat> the I tried to make them all just like us, imperfect. And yeah. some of them even trying to redeem themselves. So mm-hmm. these are, these are uh, motifs that have been out there um, in all plays and literature and whatnot stories right um so yeah. um uh, i love the idea of redemption so you've done something that wasn't really the best thing you could have done as a human and now you're trying to make up for it and a number of my characters are trying to do that mm-hmm. um and some of them are very imperfect too like that one zymana i mentioned the, the yep. granddaughter of yep. jesus uh, she's 25 but she has lost her mother who's the heroine in the story mm-hmm. so she's motherless and then her father um is a guy who's trying to redeem himself because he left in Simana when Simana's mother and his wife died yeah. so he left he just abandoned the scene he couldn't handle all the pressure so now Simana's on her own and she's very imperfect because she's been sort of abandoned by both parents she thinks her mother killed herself but actually she didn't kill herself the uh, um the authorities uh, scooped her up and made it look like she killed herself mm-hmm. um so and then she Zymana is stuck at 25 so she's not going to be a mother you can't be a mother now because population right. has to yep. be controlled yep. she's not gonna have a daughter she doesn't have she all she really has is jesus her grandfather yeah basically so she um if you if you could indulge me with one other quote yeah, definitely find her um so picture her she's going to be affected by this and uh mm-hmm. so i i i admit i i created a, a more of a grotesque physical effect but it's it is mm-hmm. based on psychology she's yeah. so she, her 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 deficient one of her uh coping mechanisms is to chew on her hand yeah it's a little bit like cutting yourself but you're basically yeah. eating parts of the flesh and yeah whatnot and she walks around uh, normally with a like an oven mitt yeah. um, on her hand with device just covering it up but when she's on her own she can chew it this is the scene she says she's talking to herself here i sit gnawing gnawing pathetically mm-hmm. a sliver of one generation isolated infertile unable to relate or reach out i'm stuck in one egotistical dimension i'm alone what's it like to nurture a baby what's it like to bring up a child to see it walk and talk for the first time What's it like to listen to a son or daughter tell you stories about school, or relationships? And what's it like to grow up old, witnessing them mature into adults and companions? What's it like to fully experience the cycle of life with loved ones? I'll never know the joy of being a real mother like women were in the old days. If I did come to know it, it would be in some artificial way. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's another great quote. Thanks for sharing that with us um and uh definitely you really get into the psychology of of this world here how uh, um what not aging and not having children and everything would be like for individuals like simena and the other characters um how did you explore that aspect of the story did you sort of put yourself in their shoes did you 
did you sort of uh, just imagine what this would be like for everyone? How did, how did that come about? Yeah, so a bit of both. Uh, you have to um, try to empathize with this thing you, you created, this character. Yep. And then, yeah, you just have to, you know, science fiction change one premise. The premise here is aging. Take that away. It's the only change. Everything else is the same, basically. Well, mostly, right? Uh, in my novel, there is some psychological <laughs> uh, genetic engineering that goes on unbeknownst to people. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, uh, there are no major changes. Still people. Yeah. And then just, uh, yeah, try to picture how it might affect them. The other psychology that was impacted, I don't want to give away too much of the novel, it involves people's um, uh, critical faculties. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. uh, their propensity to dissent, it's yep. called. So. Yep. That has been toned down a lot mm-hmm. without them knowing it uh, when they go in to get age decoded. Mm-hmm. And that that actually has an effect on this too, because I can't have my characters backlashing too much about any because they're they're muted in yeah. there, right? Yeah. Um, but I can have them sensing that something's wrong. And that's that happens with Jesus too. He's yeah wandering around thinking, well, how come I, I'm not critical of things like he used to be or why wouldn't I why am I just sitting around not doing anything about this? I would have in the old days, you know, and that those sort of questions bogging mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. almost haunting them. <clears throat> so you just have to imagine, go with it, extrapolate, um, do your best, mm-hmm. and then let the characters tell the stories. So that's the one one thing about science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, in genetic engineering right now, there's tons of uh, nonfiction written about it. Some great books like uh, Walter Isaacson's The Cold Breaker is mm-hmm. doing really well right now. We have a, um, uh, a book written in Canada by Francois Bailis from mm-hmm. Dalhousie University. She's in that field. She's a genomicist. Mm-hmm. Wonderful book. I recommend it. Uh, Harvard University Press. So it's called uh, Altered Inheritance. Mm-hmm. But these are nonfiction. But the great thing about science fiction is you can really, really go inside the heads and yeah. feelings of the characters and the struggles they, and really tell the story through humans. That, yeah, that's the... That's the difference that gives science fiction an advantage. Hmm. Yeah, that that's a, that's a definitely an, an interesting way of exploring a lot of these science topics and and advancements that that we definitely need in in our lives. Right, we need that humanity in in all the technology and the progress that that is going on. Right, we need to sort of empathize and consider how this is going to affect us as uh, affect our psychology and everything so that's that's really important i want to take a step back from the bigger picture of characters uh and uh plot and just get into some of the the detail work involved here do uh, do you find it difficult to come up with some details like maybe it's how a character looks or the names of the characters or something like that um do you have any advice for or how what works for you about coming up with these kind of details? Yeah, so the names, just start with some names. You can use all of them, E, B, C, D. Just start writing. The character will take shape as you write it, and then you can change that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the, don't even worry about the name of your novel. Mm-hmm. Just, just start writing it. It'll come to you. There are lots of options. You, mm-hmm. If you have some ideas, put mm-hmm. them on in your notes and just smart notes or whatever uh, or on your note uh, smartphone or whatever but yeah. don't worry about it don't think it has to be finalized anything names um, that's a starting point mm-hmm. um, sorry what else did you say on that piece? like uh, appearances sort of like how the characters yeah. look how they dress and and that sort of thing yeah so those details yeah you were talking about details yeah. um, 
they're really important and that's I, I i was probably deficient on that my first draft so i had to really go back and yeah. give background stories to these people make them more alive i probably still could have done more actually uh-huh. i would have you know with the settings i could have added more description yeah. i think yeah um maybe the plot my plot moves along pretty quickly through the even through the conversations it's moving yeah. it's always moving along right? um, yeah. so um yeah the more description the better as long as it uh, supports the the story and um, um so talk to people uh read yeah. uh, research um uh imagine all of those things can help with uh, character development yeah what about dialogue do you have any approach to dialogue and how the how the characters talk yeah so i really enjoyed doing the dialogue i yeah. think i was better at that than the maybe the description but that's just my viewpoint um, yeah. i just felt it came more naturally to me so the dialogue the one thing i had to be careful with was um make sure that it's not just you the author speaking through all the characters like make sure they have different um you know expressions yeah. or yeah. ways of talking and yeah. make sure it's laying like it actually sounds like people chatting to you yeah you know, you're going to have uh you're not going to say that is you're going to say that's yeah. right or you know yeah. like you you really got to go back and check all the dialogue yeah. make sure it's very natural and they, they even the with the interruptions between people like it's not like somebody says a full paragraph and the other person says a full paragraph yeah. no no there's going to be give and take and mm-hmm. somebody might mm-hmm. get three words in and the other guy jumps in and yeah so the dialogue and also use the dialogue uh, to um carry the plot so mm-hmm. i i tried to do that uh, originally i had much more of the narrator just giving feeding the explaining uh, yeah. the reader yeah. the uh, the what's going on or yeah. what happened or whatever mm-hmm. even the past like instead of mm-hmm. uh, filling in the past through the uh, through the narrator you can do it through a character like okay well i remember the old days it's like you know that sort of thing i think that's much more effective so use the dialogue but watch the dialogue make sure it's very unique for each character yeah um that's another thing i noticed you did really well with this novel is uh because i imagine uh, with science fiction, you're you're doing a lot of you have to explain a lot of things for your audience, right? Because this is a new world, um, but you don't want to do it too much, right? Because then the audience might get get bored or something like that. So yeah. you kind of have to blend it with the storytelling, right? Which which I imagine is a pretty difficult aspect of science fiction writing. It is, and I can give you an example. You've probably already read. There's a there's a fairly short but intense chapter early on. I can't remember what chapters, but we're the background of science research into yep. genetic engineering yep. aging. And I was advised not to put that in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because it's, it's risky, right? You mm-hmm. could bore the reader, you could go to sleep uh, during that. And so I kept it short. I kept mm-hmm. it really tight, pretty potent. Uh, I don't know what you thought. Like I could even ask you, do you think I should have had that in there? Or is it too much like an essay? I'm still uh, I'm still reading the book, so okay. <laughs> I think okay. it worked for right. for me. Okay, um, because right. I think that's that's part of the the book I'm really curious about too. Right, is the is the world and and how the science came about yeah. and everything. So I think that's that. that I'm, okay. I'm glad you kept it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was helpful, um, and I wanted to carry the past into the future. Right, so yeah. there I talked about the past research of sleeping, uh, sorry, uh, uh, aging and genetics and then the connection between the two going right back like you know decades yeah. and then to the current where jennifer dudna wins the nobel prize for her crispr genetic engineering yeah. with emmanuel Chapartier. so those two female scientists just won the nobel well that's yeah. cool that's right now 
well, 2020. And then going then now into science fiction, speculating, mm-hmm. I go into 2030, 35. This is what, you know, and then, so now, so I, I, I try to make it almost seamless. Yeah. And, um, but it's only about, I think, seven or eight pages. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't too long. And, and, and I, I, I like what you did, how you said you connected the past, like what actually happened to the, the speculative future. And I think that creates a continuity that, um, that maybe we, a, a lot of science fiction maybe doesn't have that same sense of continuity as, as if we're just placed in this other planet somewhere far away. Um, but but I think it's important for maybe the speculative side of the genre to have that that sense of continuity. So I think it, it worked for me. Um, I'm glad you kept it in, and uh, that's a good segue to my next question because um, I imagine that was a very difficult decision to whether to keep it in when when you're hearing advice to to maybe take it out. Um, and the another important aspect of writing is editing. Do you have any? approach to editing uh or how did you develop your skills as an editor yeah so as i as i did mention before i used a lot of external other people to edit Mm -hmm. because my eyes started going googly-eyed after a while especially (laughs) like i had a date where i wanted to get this out on the ebook and i was going to stick to that date i I sort of I didn't have to do this, but I just set a date in my mind. It's like the Ides of March or something. (laughs) I think it was March 15th. And uh, and, uh, I put pressure on myself. And I I was wearing these reading glasses. And I started, probably the glasses weren't uh, uh, designed perfectly for my eyes. They weren't prescription. Sort of off the counter shopping. And I was looking so hard trying to find, you know, little corrections and whatnot that I started seeing double about 48 hours before the publishing date. And I thought, oh my God. <laughs> so then I, you know, then I would ask my daughter, my wife, can, can you look at this yeah. page here, yeah. please read it slowly and carefully. And then I go back to it and um, I did fix my prescriptions, I think, but uh, you do go Google I just looking yeah. yourself and you will not see you and like, I could give you a sentence where the word thighs mm-hmm. back to back, da da, and you won't even see it. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, that's just one stupid example, but there's other things you will not see, like mm-hmm. missing a par- missing a paragraph or missing a period. Yeah. And the good news is, if you do ebook, um, I did have a couple slight errors even after all that mm-hmm. uh, when it came out, and my couple of friends who read the book right away, yeah. when they saw the ebook, sent me a note, and you can correct the ebook um, immediately. Mm-hmm. And then any future purchases are it's all corrected version, and anybody who bought the book. They send them a note saying, here, there's a slate correction. If you want to get the updated uh, book, here it is. So that's sort of cool. It's not that's like cool. a hardcover yeah. where it's permanent. Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. So, um, but I, we didn't find too many uh, errors. There are two or three I found after it came up, even yeah. I'm still editing just slightly. So, but, um, but nope. the use of other people, like don't yeah. rely on right, your right. glasses and you yourself. Use so, other people to read it, check it, yeah. double check it. And then go back, get your sleep, and go back. But yeah, editing is very, it's by far the, the most gruesome part of the whole thing. It's yeah. the, uh, it's the, uh, what's the word? The drudgery. It's yeah. almost the drudgery of the mm-hmm. writing. It's not as creative, I don't think, but <clears throat> yeah. But a necessary part, I imagine. And as you say, it's always good to get a, a, a second or third opinion 
um, and and find out because I'm, I imagine you're always going to miss something, as you say, right? There's always going to be something that you're not seeing. Um, so yeah, no, nobody's perfect, right? As you say, you were reading Isaac Asimov and you found a couple mistakes. So um, hard to hard to I imagine there's there's rarely a perfect perfect book out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. that's maybe something to consider as well. And I imagine it's difficult to get to that point where you're like, okay, this book is finished. It's ready to go. Um, what's the biggest challenge in getting to that point where you can say, okay, I'm done this. Let's put it out, publish it. Yeah. That's the hard one. So you just have to sort of abandon it at some point, right? Like if you, yeah. call, you don't finish it, just abandon it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and you do feel like you're abandoned because you feel like it could use a little bit more care and caressing yep. and you're just leaving yep. it now. Right. So, <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't know. There's no, there's no exact, exact answer to that one. I, like I say, I've made an artificial date and I sort of stuck with it. Uh, and I've got, I'm, I'm working on another book right now and I've got an artificial date. Guess what the date is? Uh, n- no idea. Sorry. March 15th. March 15th. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I missed that one. <laughs> it's always, it's always the, gonna, the Ides of March, gotta, right? Yeah. 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 I got to go with uh, that one again because yeah. I, it's a nonfiction and, uh, I think I can pull it off again. I think that gives me enough time to, yeah. you know, and I'm almost done the writing and that, but I'm going to need, from my experience, I know I need three months of other people looking yeah. at it now and then going back and yeah. changing things, throwing stuff out, turning it over, uh, refashioning things, working on the grammar. So the big picture and the small picture stuff. Yeah. So I know I need December, January, February, and March. And okay. this is a nonfiction. Yeah. So um, uh, I don't know if that makes any difference, but um, uh, I, I know I'm going to need the time. So, but uh, yeah, maybe as March 15th approaches, I realize no, 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 that this one is not going to be ready. Yeah. Just forget it. March mm-hmm. 15th is stupid. So then I'll extend it another month if I really have to. So. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, you think deadlines are important to say it has to be done by March 15th? Or yeah. Wherever. It's yep. not just a, just a, a signpost out there for yeah. you to, mm-hmm. to a, a goal, you know, to, to strive for anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, obviously I'm retired. It doesn't matter if I wait another month or two and the world can wait. Right? Yep. So, um, you're better, you are better to wait if you think, yeah. uh, you've got to feel that it needs more attention. Yeah. I yeah. would wait. Okay. And you mentioned three months is, is sort of how long it took for the process of your first book from when you finished the actual writing to having it edited and, and looking at it and editing yourself. Yeah. So from when I thought I had like a perfect book, yep. three more months. Okay. Because then you're going to give to other people, yep. they're going to tear it to shreds or give you lots of feedback. So, mm-hmm. um, hmm. yeah. So if I make sure, like, but I thought I had a perfect, yeah. I checked it, I double checked yeah. it, I did all the grammar checks and everything still. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're still going to need more time. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. And uh, what about publishing? So you mentioned it's obviously very competitive, very difficult to to get one of the big publishers to to take up your your work and publish it. Um, what's the self publishing route like? How did that work for you? So this, uh, as I said, I worked on this book before. I reached out to two publishers, no success. So I didn't let that uh, let's call it failure uh, set me back. Um, Churchill, I think, said uh, success is not final and failure is not fatal. So I, I'll go with the failure is not fatal. And I yeah. just 
that, okay, this time I had read about self-publishing. I had talked to a couple of authors um, about the self-publishing uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Fallis from Canada, um, uh, a very successful author, had emailed me about self-publishing as yeah. his first foray, and mm-hmm. he uh, he's done pretty well. So I um, <clears throat> I went, to, I approached the self-publisher. I did some research on the self-publishers, mm-hmm. and there was one called Draft to digital it's draft and then the number two digital okay and people can check them uh, they have yeah. a pretty good reputation working with writers they they, they answer the phone when you have questions uh, actually i found if i emailed them with a question they were back within two hours they had an answer a clear answer by somebody who knew what they were talking about mm-hmm. um so what they do is they uh, they won't market your book for you what they do is they you give them the ebook sorry the electronic document yep. in word yep. in word they will then ask you okay what kind of what do you want the chapter heading to look like what do you want the pages where do you want page numbers at the bottom yep. do you want your name here um, so they ask you for the formatting questions and then they format it and then they show it to you and say how does this look and they you can give them feedback anyway it's all finalized they yep. have a final format they then take that and they they do something that's really handy they send that that um uh, prototype i guess to all to amazon to mm-hmm. apple to indigo kobo all the publishers including some european ones i hadn't heard of like thalia and the librarian went scribbed and, and they, there's a lot of, yeah. of these platforms they send it to not just amazon and they make sure it's formatted because each of those uh, retailers have slightly different um, requirements so yeah. they make sure it's good for all of them them and then what the, what draft the digital then is they send you say okay you're ready to be published on these platforms with these retailers um press here if you agree blah 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 and um they then give you a link it's called a books to read link um and it's one link so mm-hmm. let's say uh for this podcast like give you that link and then readers can see the link yep. in the description or whatever and that link then um, connects with all those retailers that I was mentioning. So they click on the link, they'll see Amazon, Apple, Kobo, and they can go to their favorite retailer and see the book there with the, the picture of the cover, author's description, the description of the book, author's biography, stuff like that, on all of those retailers. So it's pretty handy because yeah. all I did really was give them a Word document, right? Mm-hmm. They got it out to the world. The only thing is nobody is going to market it for you yeah. so you 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 don't have a publisher behind you yeah. it's not going to show up in some bookstore it's first of all it's an ebook right to start off yeah. right now i've been lucky i'm on a beta program for draft digital they just started doing print books too so okay. i'm one of their earlier print books um that just came out a month ago yeah. so uh i'm lucky so they they did a beautiful job with the print book and it's now available and so they've helped me a lot they've been great uh, i they've never not answered any of my questions and the other nice thing is being self-published um you have a lot of control of it like you're not giving anything away mm-hmm. like you own the book mm-hmm. and you can control the book nobody's telling you how to well this isn't the way we want to write it we don't like this title no you have control of even the cover page is totally under your yeah. control uh which is sort of nice in a way it's mm-hmm. a little scary but uh it's nice and then the other thing is they take a very small margin for their profit. So if, if you were to, to go with a publisher, I think they take fairly significant margins, right. like 70 or 80%. Um, with uh, Draft to Digital, I'm giving up 20% uh, mm-hmm. 
and then I, and then if Amazon sells my book, I give up another. But anyway, the bottom line is, if you sell yeah. a book, self-publishing, you will you will retain more than fifty percent of the revenue. Or if you sell it through a publisher, yeah. it's not going to be anywhere near fifty percent. But again, it's yeah. not. It's as with anything, it's two sides to it. Yeah. You don't get any marketing. Right. So I need to use social media, yeah. podcasts like yours. Thank you so much for having me on. But uh, podcasts have been very helpful. Mm -hmm. Social media has been very helpful. Just talking to friends. Yeah. Uh, all of that is um, the way to promote. Right. Yeah. So to, to generate word of mouth and reach out to potential audiences, have you have you learned anything from that process about um, maybe marketing or how to sort of sell your book? Yeah. So there's two stages. The first one is all your friends and relatives. They'll yeah. probably buy it they may not they may not read it right away but they will they'll you know a lot of them will support you but yeah. but that fizzles out pretty quickly right yeah but like i don't have thousands of friends so uh but so you might sell if you're lucky you can sell 50 books yeah. through all your, your you know, social network yeah. friends mm -hmm. whatnot yeah. former workmates and all that yeah. um and after that you really got to start uh, yeah. thinking okay forget it. someone's going to buy this book because they actually want to buy the book they're interested in the topic and yeah. want to read, read it not because they they want to make you happier yeah. you got to make them you got to make them think this is good for them so and a book's a big investment but people yeah. are they yeah. going to spend eight hours yeah. ten hours reading what you slopped out as a self-publisher yeah. so you know you got to think of it that way and um i tried i've tried a few things social media has been good mm -hmm. i have a little facebook ad that i've got out there percolating uh, through the uh, internet um, every once in a yeah. while i turn it on it can cost you five or ten bucks a day yeah. but it's been it's been pretty good it's raised some awareness too that's good and then uh, podcasts have been absolutely phenomenal yeah. um i've done like a lot of a lot of podcasts you're a veteran uh, <laughs> yeah well they've been great experiences yeah, like yeah. the conversations yeah. are amazing uh -huh. um but um the they're also very helpful um, so between all those things yeah you can sell you can sell some books yeah yeah that's uh that's definitely something i'm i'm going through as well you know trying to promote a podcast right and then as you say it starts out getting your friends and family to listen and then you really you want to expand your your reach beyond that and and that's that's challenging, especially for someone like uh, like I'm pretty useless when it comes to social media. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a major challenge. Um, what are some surprising things that you've learned from this journey of becoming an author? Sure. Um, well, surprising that that I did this. Like I'm about yeah. the last person in the world you'd expect to write a fiction book. I, I thought I might write a nonfiction one. But fiction, no way. Was, like I didn't like English. I um, okay. I did get a fortune cookie. This is not a joke. About, <laughs> about fifteen years ago, I remember. You know those Chinese dinners. I, I opened the fortune cookie. And said yeah. you will be a writer. Uh, I, actually, I think it said you'll be a great writer or something. I, I, you'll you'll succeed at writing or something like that. No way. <laughs> you know. But uh, here, here I am. Fortune, fortune cookie was right. right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but that was the only hint I had that I might ever write a book so that's the biggest surprise that i yeah. would have even tried this um, um other than that um i think just how satisfying it is because uh, uh you know we only live once and yep. now it's like doing a piece of art or something too, yeah. right so you the, the art is now someone has bought it they've digested it and joined it and interpreted their own way and it's now in their hanging in their house yeah, yeah. 
or in a gallery or whatever yeah. and it's going to live on and and uh, touch people's lives right yeah. so that's that's a cool thing too thinking that you can contribute to uh, like i really did write this novel to try to educate the world yeah about um, genetic engineering that's and the, the double-sided aspect of yeah. it. That, that was really my core mission yeah Oh, interesting. Um, so it sort of stemmed from maybe your your career as an educator, and that sort of infused your your um, I guess the purpose of of writing this book as well. It sounds like so that's interesting. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what uh, what's the new book about? Do you want to give us a brief synopsis of uh, sure. what 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 that's all about? Sure. So the new book will not surprise anybody. It's about uh, running and coaching. Okay. So that yeah. that's really up my alley. Yeah. That's I yeah. really thrived on doing that. Uh, yeah. And not, it, but I've got a twist because there have been a lot of running books too. Yeah. So I've looked at the running books. I've read a lot of them. So my my sort of shtick or twist on this one is it's going to be told through my daughter and I. So because okay. my daughter is yeah. a competitive runner, yeah. and so am I. Yeah. And she actually got me into running. It's not like I got her yeah. into running. So there's a bit of a twist there. So it's going to be that intergenerational. We have a strong bond through yeah. the through that sport, mm -hmm. and I coached her, uh, but she got me into running. That's the irony of it all. And then I got into triathlons after that. So it's going to mm -hmm. be that father daughter thing. I don't have a title for it, but it might be something like run daughter, run father, or something like yeah. that, or you know, just that. But then with with the stories about her running, she still runs competitively at university right now, and then mm -hmm. my running, my uh, triathloning now. I'm going to weave in some uh, insights and scientific uh, advice, uh, but I'm going to always have these anecdotes and stories through my yeah. daughter's running. Life. So that's, that's sort of what I'm working on. Uh, I really enjoyed that. It's uh, yeah, my, really, it's a, it's a bit of like the biography, autobiography. Oh, cool. That yeah. sounds, that sounds really, uh, really, really great, really meaningful. Do you have any last final words of advice for aspiring authors, aspiring science fiction writers, any, any other pieces of wisdom that you, that you want to offer the audience? Yeah. So just do not pigeonhole yourself. Um, every, I believe everybody has some creative aspects within them yeah. and whether it's writing or dancing or <clears throat> poetry, perhaps music. Mm -hmm. And uh, we tend to, specialize in pigeonholing ourselves in our society coming out of high school going to university yeah but there's a there is a real self within you that might be uh waiting to uh find its way to to bubble out and to express itself to others and um <clears throat> that might take a while it's sort of this genuine self within within you um and it might take a decade or two but um it might come through a hobby or whatever, but um, yeah. just don't pigeonhole all yourself. Think that you because you're, uh, you know, an accountant or mm -hmm. or a scientist or whatever, you can't do uh, these other artistic things. They may, they don't be surprised if they come out and, or give them a try if it feels like they are trying to emerge from from your soul. That's great advice. And um, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. That was a really fascinating and eye-opening conversation so thank you so much thank you brian i really appreciate you taking time to have me on your great show thank you very yeah. much thanks for listening everyone and thanks again to my guest mark p ryall you can find age decoded everywhere you get your books and you'll find a link in the show notes as well 
Let me know what you thought of today's episode at our website, amateurpod.com, or through Instagram at amateurpod. Have a great holiday and a wonderful new year. 2022 could be the year you finally write a novel of your own. You're never too old to learn something new. And remember, there's a teacher in everyone you meet.